And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Brendan Kumarasamy. And yes, I think I got that right this time for another episode of Startup Hustle. Now, before we get too far into this, I do want to let you know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. We help you build a software team quickly and affordably. Now, today's subject is about the thing that people in the world fear the most. I'm going to give you three seconds to think about what that is, and then I'm going to let you know it's public speaking. Yes, when surveyed, the world is actually more afraid of public speaking than they are of dying. So this is important because if you can't talk to people and you can't present things or you clam up when it comes to presenting, you are in trouble. So once again, and I'm just going to call him Brendan because he's the one that's been telling me to, to do this. I have the CEO and founder of Master Talk, Brendan. Welcome to Startup Hustle. Thanks for having me, Matt. It's great to be here. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, any, any business solves a problem. And the problem you solve is helping people get over their fear of public speaking, maybe give pitches or anything like that. Why don't we go ahead and then, well, first off, before we get too far into it, if you want to learn more about Brendan, he's got a great YouTube channel. It's got a whole lot of different videos in there. And uh, you can just scroll on down, scroll on down to the show notes and click away. Um, and you are joining us from Canada today. So I, I'm not sure when the last time we had a Canadian guest on was, but yeah, we'll keep, we are using English and not French. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. I think it'll make the world a lot easier that people are listening. <laughs> well, let's start with a little bit of backstory and what brought you into what you do now and helping people deliver their message in a cleaner, more confident way. Yeah, absolutely. So when I was in university, Matt, I used to do these things called case competitions. So think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So instead of trying to get into the NBA or you know professional soccer or professional baseball, you go to a D1 school, your coach works you to the bone, you play college tournaments, and hopefully you get drafted into the league. I did the same thing, but in nerd land with presentations. So senior executives of companies from companies like McKinsey, IBM, and the like, instead of having dinner with their families, they come to the university at night and they literally rip us apart in the presentations that we give. And I did that three times a week for three years. I was a nutcase. I just did a bunch of cases. And I also worked, I did a little bit of venture as well when I was in uni. So when I graduated, I'd presented probably over 500 times. I'd coached over 100 people on how to speak properly. And then when I started working in the corporate world, I kind of asked myself the following question, which is, how do I use the money in my pocket and how do I transition that from where I was to using my time and expertise? 
that's when the idea for the YouTube channel came to be because I just realized that a lot of the content on the platform was terrible on public speaking. So I started making videos in my basement, much like how most of us start our companies. And then one thing leads to another and here we are today. Yeah. So, and, you know, as I mentioned, this is a huge fear and uh, she always gets mad at me when I throw under the bus, but my wife is one of those people that absolutely does not like public speaking. And the funny thing is, is I actually met her when I went back to school in a speech class. So um, <laughs> can't, can't, can't make that shut up. But, you know, the, the thing is, is this is real. And it, now for those of you that aren't aware, I also worked in the music industry for almost a decade. And I ref often refer to something as red light syndrome, which is similar to public speaking. And that's when you hit a record button and that red light comes on. So is there is there an underlying something that causes people to freak out when it comes to this that you, you've uncovered? Absolutely. So I, since I get this question a lot, let's, let's talk about the foundation. Okay. Where does the fear come from? Right. I know it's this medical term. We're all scared of this, but what is it actually origin? Where does it start? So let's think about this. Most of the presentations that we've given in our lives are entirely forced. We don't do it for fun. We don't wake up one morning and say, Hey Matt, you want to get breakfast and present all day? That doesn't really exist. Instead, what actually happens is almost 100% of everything we've done is either in the classroom or the work setting. That's where the answer to our question lies. So if you think about it, in high school or in college and university, you don't get to pick the topic you get to present. You're presenting to an audience who doesn't really care what you have to say because they are stressed about their own presentation. And you have a teacher who's very competent in what they're doing but has to go through 25 people in a single class. So she or he is probably really stressed. So with all of these three things, not getting to pick the subject, presenting to an audience who doesn't want to hear you, and a teacher who isn't really spending that much time training you on public speaking, it's no wonder that we're scared of it. That's why most of us are scared of public speaking. But the key and the antidote to that is flipping the script and understanding what public speaking is actually for. The true reason people need to speak and is to share their ideas with the world. If you're someone who likes to make cupcakes and there's a recipe on cupcakes that you want to share with people, you need to master public speaking so that you can share it with more people, whether it's through video, a recipe on video, or whether it's through a speech. And in the context of startups, same thing. If you want to sell your product or service, it's more than just getting a sale. It's about making sure that your product or service is implemented in people's lives so those people's lives are better off than where you found it, which is a completely different point of view than the public speaking we were taught in school. So that's where the dichotomy lies. So yeah, as a, you're spot on there. Being able to deliver your message the way that you want to the people that you want and with the confidence that you need has so much to do with whether or not you're going to get what you want. Now, me, not afraid of public speaking. In fact, I find it exhilarating. It's something that I look forward to doing. Now, you said some of us aren't going to wake up and be like, hey, let's just present all day. I've done that. Like, I'm cool with that because I enjoy it. And I put a lot of thought and effort into presentation uh, when it comes to anything from sales, marketing, teaching some of it, there's a whole lot of different things. Now, I, I think one of the very first things that 
you always have to consider is who are you speaking to? So knowing your audience and, you know, are you speaking to a room full of five-year-olds in a kindergarten class? Are you speaking to a room full of sophisticated investors? Are you speaking to a room full of executives that are there to tell you why you suck? Um, those are all, those are three dynamically different audiences, but, you know, so, so I think you got to get, give some credence to that. And then really the main thing that I think so many people just don't understand is it just also comes down to some practice. Like you shouldn't be going through your first iteration of it as you're delivering it to your final audience. So, I mean, it, with what you help with and what you teach people, does it just involve reps? I mean, is that where it starts in the beginning? Yeah. So great points that you mentioned. I completely agree with everything you said on practice and audience mastery. So let me build on those two points. So practice. The first thing that we need to realize is most of us actually don't know how to practice public speaking properly. I'll explain why. Think about any skill that you want to learn, whether it's a new sport, a new instrument, or even a song that you want to sing. In any of those situations, even if those skills are different, Matt, at the end of the day, it's the same thing. You're always focused on small repetitive actions that make your fundamentals in that skill better. So in basketball, you're not focused on getting that special trick, even if you might try but fail flat very quickly. You're focused on the game, understanding how the players move, understanding how the court works, running faster, dribbling faster, and above all, getting the ball in the net. So by focusing on those simple exercises over and over again, you become better at basketball. But we don't apply that analogy that we use so well in other skills in public speaking. Here's an example. It's Wednesday. You're the CEO of a founder. You're the CEO of a company, excuse me. And you know, a VC comes up to you and says, well, Kevin, I need you to do this presentation for Friday. So Kevin goes and he practices, he does this pitch, tries to get everything together for his venture to kind of explain the updates of his company. And then on Friday, he pitches, you know, he talks about the history, he talks about the company. And then what does he do with that presentation? He puts it in the garbage, moves on to the next one. And that's the mistake. Because the best speakers in the world we generally have one or two presentations, but we've presented that same thing hundreds of times. So how does that apply in startup land? The way that it applies is when you're pitching at a demo day, whether you're talking to a VC informally, whether you're pitching to a group of investors, you want to make sure that the one pitch that you have is perfect in every way, shape, or form, and that you've done it hundreds of times so that it's perfect. And on the second point about audience mastery, I loved what you're saying about comparing, you know, the five-year-old kid and how we're speaking to with, you know, uh, an appropriate investor or someone who's a lot more sophisticated. So let me, let's push this up another notch. The biggest difference between great speakers and exceptional ones is that great speakers think about their audience, like most of us, but the best speakers in the world obsess over them. They don't just think about them, they talk to them. They get coffees with them. They get lunches with them. They understand the very psychology of who they are. And by doing that, they perform a lot better than 99% of the crowd. 
Yeah, I think so. I'm going to support what you just said. So I've spent a lot of time in my life studying personality styles, uh, specifically how they interact with each other. So when you talk about now go up a couple more notches, literally understanding the personality style or possible personality styles of those that you're talking to. So we'll keep this very simplistic. You know, we've learned in school that you have type A and type B. So type B people are introverts hear the message from type A or extroverts different than an introvert hears an introvert. And there's so many things that you can change, adjust, or be aware of. So I can talk quickly. I can speak quickly. I can say, you know what? There's all this great stuff and you know, that is not the way you speak to introverted listeners. They view that completely differently. Now you're an extrovert like I am. You could handle me talking quickly. That wouldn't bother you. You wouldn't think that was weird. But a type B person looks at me and they they think you're like a slick talking. You're not focused on the details. You're just trying to breeze through a whole bunch of stuff. And it just doesn't. It's not heard in the same way. Now, you see, I slowed down a little bit. And it doesn't mean like you're talking down to a five-year-old. It means that you have to be a little bit more deliberate. So as I've presented to groups in the past, and you talk about knowing your audience. So I I mentioned before I worked in the music industry, I used to work for a company called Roland, the world's largest maker of electronic musical instruments. I worked in their uh, piano and keyboard division. Part of my job was presenting to music educators, piano teachers, not usually a type A personality there. So my presentation would need to be different. I would cover facts a little bit differently. I would look at things a little bit differently. I would um, listen differently if I was interacting with them. Uh, so, you know, when it comes to knowing who your audience is, th- I mean, that's, that's part of it too. Now, if you're on the flip side of that and you're speaking to a room of sophisticated investors, eh, I'm going to make the assumption that they're type A and I get right to the point. I do not get into a million details. Those people want to hear the facts, get me to the bottom line. It's the same thing with selling. Like the type B person, they want to hear all about the features. They want to hear all about the advantages. Type A, what are the benefits? What does this do for me? What's in it for me? So have you found the same thing when it comes to relating to your audience? Yeah, absolutely. And I love the points that you're adding on here, Matt. So one thing I think would be... I guess more straight as an error for people who are just getting started with public speaking is an example. So if you think me, for for instance, I speak to very different crowds, whether it's 55-year-old senior executive Tim all the way down to 10-year-old Rebecca, but I'm still presenting the same information to both parties, communication skills. But the wants and needs of both of those audience types are completely different. So let's say I'm talking to Rebecca. It's going to sound something like this. And I recommend you role play this to really take this to the extreme with your own clients. When she tugs my shirt at the end of the workshop, she's not saying, "Uh, Brendan, could you give me your advanced public speaking tips on how to become an elite presenter such as yourself? No, she goes, "Uh, uh, Brendan, I don't know how to speak like you. Can I speak like you? What Rebecca is asking me. It's not for those extra tips. She's looking for a boost in confidence because her whole life, nobody told her that she could be a great speaker. So anyone who's decent at communication would just go to Rebecca and go, hey, you go for it. You know, just go present. 
but someone who's really good, someone who is the best in the world of speaking, is going to take the time to crouch down, look at Rebecca in the eyes and say, Rebecca, you have a beautiful smile. And if you share that smile with the world, I know that you'll be an amazing presenter. So then she gets red in the face and then presents because I gave her what she wanted. But the opposite is also true. When I'm talking to 55-year-old senior executive, it sounds something like this. Yeah, Brendan, come over here. Yeah, I got 10 minutes. I got three sales calls today. Can you just get to the point? And yeah, we already paid you, but like whatever. Just make sure I get a nice ROI on my investment here. So now the way that I speak to Tim is very different. I would sound something like this. I would also dress better, and I would say, Tim, it's such a, an honor and a pleasure to, to meet you this afternoon. I'd love to spend some a couple of minutes of your time, if you don't mind, just to go through some key areas of improvements that I worked on last night to see how we can better improve the number of leads that you get from your presentations. The language that I'm using is completely different, even if it's the same information, because the needs and wants of those two audience types are completely different. The way that I speak to them is also completely different. Yeah, and those are and those are still personality related as well. So one thing, still going back. Now you talk about the the need to instill, find, or grow confidence that comes with practice. There's nothing. I there's going to be very little that we're going to go through today when it comes to public speaking tips that doesn't somehow loop back to practice. Now, in regards to practice, so this is something I've run into. So I I've gone. So full, my company, Full Scale, and once again, today's episode is brought to you by FullScale.io. We sponsor pitch competitions and give away prizes and different stuff. I'm talking tens of thousands of dollars in some cases. And I see a, a fatal error of many presenters. And well, first off, they're learning their presentation word for word. And then something distracts them. And they get knocked off the, the, the track, the script. And then they freeze and you can see them in their head going back through every single word, trying to get themselves back to the point where they had the hiccup. Therefore, when you're practicing, practice with distractions, especially if you're presenting to small groups, because you never know when someone's going to stop and ask a question. You never know when they're going to give an objection. You don't know when a phone's going to ring or, uh, you know, anything. There's a million different things. So if you're going to practice what you're doing and you're right, you know, like I, the, the best speakers that I know have a finite amount of material that they can deliver in an infinite number of ways, but they become a master at all the different things. So, mm -hmm. but with that, those distractions, and if you don't practice with distractions, you're making a tactical error because you're guaranteed to have distractions. I, I, so I, a couple years ago spoke to the fraternity executives of America. I did not even realize that fraternities had a whole executive structure around them, much less that they had a massive conference, which was in Tampa, and I was the keynote speaker. Okay, awesome. 500 people in the room, 500 people in the room. Um, they paid me really well to come do it. And now in rehearsal, everything worked great. But when we filled a whole room up with people, something about all those people and probably their cell phones made my microphone not work. And I didn't figure this out until it was, here's Matt DeCourcy. I get up there, dead mic. Now, here's the thing is that is a distraction. And like, it wasn't something we practiced for. 
now I have a loud voice. So I am able to overcome that. But in some, you can't practice for that. But that's an example of a distraction. So you will build confidence by understanding where and how you're going to deal with things that knock you off track. Now, you know, as I, I've made a few notes about public speaking tips, and one of them on here is testing your equipment. Uh, so clearly, but we had, we had, we had tested. I mean, there was literally a sound check, like all this different stuff. And then on top of that, they were running behind. So they asked me if I could take my one hour presentation and trim it down to 40 minutes. I'm prepared to do that. I can give that same presentation in 20 minutes. I can give it in 40 minutes. I can give it in two hours. It's just a matter of, of time, timbre, and like all of that pace, but I was prepared for that. So I wasn't prepared for my mic to not work. Um, I also, but you, you got to be ready for that stuff. Now, if you spend time provisioning for that, then you're going to be able to deal with it. But what's advice you give to your clients or people that you're coaching when it comes to the fuck up? Yeah, and I, and I love that example, by the way. Awesome, awesome analogy that you just gave there. So what I would say is the underlining thread here is this is why presenting the same presentation a hundred times matters in this type of situation. You have to be so good with that one pitch that if, if the slides disappear, if everything disappears, if your audience disappears, you're still in a situation that you can still deliver perfectly. The second thing is how do you deal with those difficult times? How do you deal with those situations where you're kind of, you're kind of in many ways screwed to you, for lack of a better word? The way that you do that is by mitigating before. So even in some situations where you can't, like the mic, there's always ways to make your presentation that I refer to as bulletproof. So here's an exercise I do with the people I work with that I'd recommend you all do as well. So after a founder is done with their pitch and they think that they know everything, they think that all, they have all the right answers, this is where I enter. And I bring in a couple of people who aren't very nice, usually work in the field. And we all sit together in a room and we have the founder present. Then at the end or during, we rip them apart. So I just go, go to slide six. Yeah, I don't understand this. Repeat it. Go to this. What's your profit margins? I don't get it. Go to this slide. What's your timeline? How fast to MVP? And then we just start destroying the founder. So obviously this is not nice. I'm sure a lot of people are like, whoa. But the reason we do this is that they're so good that it doesn't matter what question they get on stage, they'll already know the answer to it because we already barrage them with all the possible questions. So that would be my advice is create a scenario where you have the worst critics in the room that you create to come to your presentation and make sure that you're flawless, right? So whether it's your board of directors, whether it's your advisory board, whether it's investors in your company, whether it's mentors that you look up to, just bring a syndicate of people whose only goal is to find holes in your presentation. And if you get over that, it doesn't matter if the mic comes off. It doesn't matter if the slides go out. It doesn't even matter if anyone shows up, you'll still give a good presentation. <laughs> yeah. And in, in Congress with that and kind of where I was talking earlier about losing your place, you should be able to, you need to practice your presentation coming in and out of it at different points all along the way. You shouldn't condition yourself to only be able to go from beginning to end, like A to B. Because if you are guaranteed to not have any distractions, not have any anything, that might work. But it, you have to be able to jump in and jump out of it. So it, I love the critical nature of things too. So that's a good practice mechanism. Like find someone to rattle you 
like almost piss you off. Because uh, how are you going to handle that? Because here's the thing, and this is what we'll get get into the next tip here is your body language. And that's the thing that when I talk to people that aren't confident about public speaking, they feel that people are looking at them while they're giving their speech and they noticeably look nervous, which usually isn't the case. That's a self-created, you know, problem that many have in their head, but that body language. And here's the thing is if you're trying to sell something to someone and you, you appear to be visibly rattled or irritated with their response, eh, probably not going to sell much, you know, because in the end people, and by the way, life is sales. You are selling something. Even if you don't think you are, when you are public speaking publicly, you are selling an idea, a cause, any of it. And people want to buy things from people that they like, not people that seem angry and upset and rattled and pissed off right in front of them. So do you have, do you have tips that you give your clients and those you coach about, your overall body language? Absolutely. But what I want to focus a bit more on is what you had said before, which I loved about, you know, how do you, how do you present yourself in a way that makes sense? So I'll tell you a quick story that I think will kind of drive this point all home. Let's imagine for a second that you're waking up in the, in the morning and you're getting ready for work. So obviously, naturally, you're in the bathroom and you're getting ready and you're looking at yourself in the mirror. And you see someone is relatively happy. You know, I have a lot of meetings today. I love my job. I love my work. Get to have dinner with my family. I get to go hang out with my kids, if you have any. And life is great. I get to listen to this podcast. So when you look at yourself in the mirror, you see someone who's pumped. You see someone who's excited for the day. And that is the energy that you will project onto everyone else around you, whether it's your friends your family, your colleagues, and more importantly, your audience. But the opposite is also true. This day sucks. I got to listen to this podcast. I got to go see my family that I don't particularly like. I got to go to a job that I hate. So when you look at that same mirror in that bathroom, you see someone who's not excited. You see someone who doesn't want to get out of bed. And that is the energy that you will project onto everyone else, your friends, your family, your colleagues, and more importantly, your audience. So what's the punchline? The punchline is a mirror is not just the thing that you look at in the morning. It's the very thing that you are. Because as speakers, we are mirrors since we project our own emotions onto our audiences. So if we look pissed off back to what you were alluding to or uninterested or bored, guess what? We're the conductor of our own orchestra. So as the audience, we're going to say, well, why is Brendan pissed off? Why is he mad? I don't want to listen to this. But on the other hand, for positive, excited, and most of all, have a lot of reassurance for people, especially during these times, then that's also will be reflective. So the best way to fix this and to mirror properly is what I call the 20-minute test. If you can watch yourself on camera for 20 minutes without vomiting in your mouth, you have a pretty good presentation. Because the way that, because I'm very straight shooter, if you cannot watch yourself present for that long, don't expect anyone else to watch you. Yeah, and you know we're all walking around with the film studio in our pocket right now. You have no, you have no, you have absolutely no reason to not be able to record yourself. I mean, you really don't. I mean, you've, 
90% of those listening have not only a film studio, they get a 4K camera. So, you know, put it up on something and it's back to practice, but we're back to practice. So, so I got something for you here. So I, I have spent uh, quite a bit of time in my life seeking people that do things at an elite level. And some of those folks, so my last book was The Realist Guide to a Successful Music Career. And in that, I interviewed a good friend of mine, Jake Seninger, who is considered by many to be a top 50 guitarist in the world, which think about that. That's pretty crazy. So every time I see Jake, he is playing a guitar. He's playing a guitar. He's playing a guitar. He's playing a guitar. I said, well, are you practicing? He said, no, dude, I don't practice. I don't practice. And really, I said, well, you look like you're practicing. He said, no, I'm trying to keep myself in a space where I can turn this on and off when I need to. And I said, well, dude, you playing, you're playing a lot of notes. You're doing a lot of stuff. And he's in an improvisational rock band. So it's not the same notes every time. And you know, as I got get deeper into the conversation with him, I said, well, Jake, how many, how many guitar chords are there? He says, there's 7,334. How many of those do you know? And he's well, well, Matt, I know them all. And not only do I know them all, I know them backwards. And I, I said, well, I said, well, that's pretty cool. He said, it's essential because I have to know this stuff so well, because if I have to stop and think about it while I'm performing, that is guaranteed to be the moment that I mess up. Now, this is back to that practice and repetition, though, knowing it so well, having such a mastery over the subject matter. And we've talked about uh, a SME or a subject matter expert or whatever you want to call it. But look, I have literally spent a decade chasing people that do excellent things. And I have not found a single instance. You're like, oh, this person's gifted. This person's got natural talent. Sure. They may have some. Okay. I was born with a personality that I have, and that made it easier for me to be a public speaker or a podcast host. But then there was a shitload of practice back to practice and the reps and the reps and the reps and being a true student of the game, like refusing to let the guitar control you refusing to let the fear control you. Now there are things out there for some like Toastmasters is one like Toastmasters is not for, for people like me, or at least in my opinion, there it's for people that want to get some flight hours on the public speaking plane. And, you know, so one of the, one of the next things that's here, here on the, on the list of of tips is, is, you know, back to practice, but reps. So I have suggested to people like, well, I'm really nervous about this presentation. Okay. Who can you practice in front of? I'm only going to be at home with my husband. Okay. Do you have kids? Do they have dolls? Do they have toys? Line them all up put them on the couch, fill the whole couch up with dolls, toys, your dog, anyone that'll sit there and then present and then present. But it's back to that, you know, that practice thing. Now that said, it's okay to slow down. It's okay to have a moment to let people digest for yourself to take a breath, to let it all sink in, and if you've ever gone, I know we're comparing public speaking to being a, guitar, a rock and roll guitarist, but they are very similar. Sometimes the spacious moments, the quiet moments, give someone a moment to reflect and think and insert their answer or their opinion or their whatever into what you just said. And now think about this. They're doing the work for you. You're letting them interpret what you're saying. 
you're not going too fast because guess what? You practiced it and you think it was five minutes long and then you get up there and you're going a million miles an hour and you race right through it. And at the end of it, if you went back and asked the audience, let's say, well, there was a lot of good stuff in there, but they went really, she went really fast and it didn't really let it sink in. So do you, do you teach or coach people to really embrace those moments where it all just sinks in? Absolutely. And I, I just love your add-ons. This is great. You, you're very knowledgeable about public speaking. That's always nice to have as a host. So I, I also have a list. I also have a list in front of me that I was prepared, although I did not practice. I'm very impressed. You could have just done a solo episode on public speaking. I really love the knowledge that you're bringing to the table, Matt. So, so just to, to build on all this, one of the secrets that a lot of great speakers don't tell others is that we have an ability to pause for an indefinite period of time without ever making it look awkward. Obviously, I'm not going to do this now because obviously we're in a podcast. But what I do in workshops, there's like 20 people. I will literally pause for three minutes just to prove my point. I'll look at people for 10 and seconds. it's awkward. It feels awkward and weird, but that's good. Get it out of the way. Exactly. No, but I, no, no. It's, I love the add-on. Don't worry. So what I love about this exercise is it's excruciatingly painful at the beginning. Like in the same way it was for me, by the way, just just so people know my story in full. I grew up in a French education system and I didn't know French. That means for 15 years, my whole life, pretty much, not only was I uncomfortable with presentations, but I had to present in a language I didn't even know. So if I can master public speaking, that's why I'm so passionate about this. I know everyone else can too. So going back on this. What ha pausing for three minutes allows you to do. Obviously, you don't do that for real in your presentations. But when you're practicing, it gives you this momentum. It's like when you run a marathon. It's 40 miles. But if you practice with 60, running a 40-mile race is a joke. If you're practicing 60-mile races before the actual race, this is the same thing. If you can pause for very, very long periods of time, which I call long gazes and stares, where you gaze at people in the eyes without making it seem awkward, you'll be able to build that public speaking muscle to really be able to slow things down if you need to. You don't always have to, depending on what the message is and what the idea. And the other quick trick I can give people is what I call the random word exercise. So let's demonstrate this for the crowd, Matt. Why don't you give me a random word? Spaghetti. I love that. So what I need to do with this word is I need to create an introduction out of thin air. So here I go. You know, there's all different types of pastas, whether it's penne or polo or all the other Italian jazz that I really don't know. But my favorite type of pasta, especially since it was in the Dalmatians, is spaghetti. Because spaghetti isn't just food. It's a way of life. It represents love. It represents having a good time. And it represents all the simple delicacies that we tend to avoid in our everyday lives. That's exactly why today I'm going to talk about spaghetti. Anyways, the point that I'm driving here is this type of exercise puts you in a very uncomfortable scenario because you don't know what word the other person is going to say. But if you do five words for five minutes every day, you get much better as a speaker very quickly because you learn to deal with what you had said earlier that I loved with unexpected scenarios. And then you build your public speaking muscle. I love that. By the way, I have not played that game before. You handled that quite well, but that's just simple being on your toes. And that's 
by the way, we're back to practice though. So back to practice. There's nothing that we're going to do today or tell you today that is going to get you out of practicing. I mean, that's it. It's reps. I mean, it just really is. Um, I mean, whether it's like you take like Tiger Woods hitting, how many golf balls did Tiger Woods hit before he was even a teenager? And, oh, you know, yeah. that's the thing, though. And that's where the confidence comes from. That's where the mastery comes from. And that's where the ability to adapt comes from. And that's part of what that that last exercise can do a lot for. I like that. Now, it, it one of the things that that I and I don't even know what the real term I, I refer to. I have created my own term that I call fact shaping. So theoretically, there is an infinite amount or number of ways that you can say just about anything. There are a gazillion words times themselves, times the combinations, and it would just go on and on and on. So therefore, there has to be ways that are better than others. There are words, phrases, and just different stuff that makes your presentation have more value. It makes it easier to understand. And I actually spend a lot of time when it comes to my own presentations, what, and some of this too is, is even written is removing the junk, rem, like getting rid of things. So think about what you say. So I'll give you an example. Would you rather buy something that is affordable or cheap? Cheap, probably. Well, I would actually say that is the worst word of the two to use, because if I'm telling you that our, our services are cheap, that doesn't like when you define the word cheap, do you think of quality? Do you think of something that, Oh, I see you, what you mean. Gotcha. 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 You're getting you, right, like, right, right. what am I going to get? So if I say, well, you know what, our, the cost of, of developers from full scale is really cheap. No, that. I'm, I am literally beginning to plant seeds of cheapness in your mind. I am like, that's not a word like affordable is strong. Benefit is strong. One of the, mm-hmm. some of the benefits that our clients experience is affordable monthly rates. And, or as opposed to, you know, what people like is the cheap bill that we send them, you know, and that's just not, now I said the same thing. Right. I did. I said it a couple different ways, but when it comes to your own presentation, you always want to try. I, I'm always trying to remove words, try to simplify. If I can say something in four words and use power words like affordable versus cheap, if you're talking about your own stuff, I would say you use the word affordable. Like, and then also back to your audience, like for example, at Full Scale's one liner, we help you build a development team quickly and affordably. Now that is intentionally built the way it is because finding developers is notoriously as a notoriously long process. It's a pain in the butt. You got to go through a whole bunch of different interviews, blah, 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 blah. And then often it is expensive. Now our employees are in the Philippines. What they produce and deliver is not cheap. It is just more affordable. They have a different economic structure there that allows us to create a win-win between the North American market and them. And there were 10 million other ways that I could have phrased that that would have drastically cheapened my offering. So, you know, I mean, as far as like, and that's not, that isn't on my list of stuff here. That's something that I actually talk to people a lot. And the same thing goes whether you're presenting verbally or on your own website. 
you know, don't clutter it up. Simple, straightforward, transparent are going to win rather than overly verbose. You just don't try to come in with 10,000 words, a long block of text. Think about how you feel when you go to a website and there's like 300 words. There's no page break. They're all the same. There's just a giant block of text. Most people don't read it. They even have an acronym. Was it TLDR? Too long, didn't read. Your presentation and your just when you're speaking, whatever it is that you're trying to communicate shouldn't look like that TLDR block of text. So simplify it. It makes it easier to feel confident about what you're speaking as well because you have less words to deliver. You don't have to overly explain. Hmm. What are your thoughts on that, sir? Yeah, so, so just to add to that, to kind of simplify this with the audience. So, so what Matt ref- is referring to right now is copywriting, which is very different from public speaking. So what I would say is you don't want to mix the two at the beginning because or else you're, you're going to get really confused in your presentations. Because on the one hand, and another way of explaining this, is public speaking is like juggling 18 balls at the same time. So if you're juggling all those balls, you know, eye contact, ma- audience mastery, ums and ahs, pauses, and you're juggling saying the right words at the right time at the right moment, you're just going to implode. So I think the right way of looking at this, and Matt's an exceptional case because he's really good at what he does, is you want to start with your pitch, your company. Then the next step is do it in a repeatable fashion, 100 times, 1,000 times, however long it takes, and get critics in the room, like a speech coach, a mentor, a venture capitalist, or even mad, to come in and just rip apart the presentation. And then when you get really good and you're juggling 10 out of 18 of the balls, and then you're really good at public speaking, you're like, oh, this is easy. I don't care if the mic runs out. I don't care if the slides go bad. I can still deliver this pretty well. Then let's talk about simplification. But until then... Focus on the fundamentals first. A good analogy is storytelling. A lot of people ask me about, Brandon, how do you tell stories? I'm very different than most of the experts in my field that I look up to and I love their work. But my point of view on storytelling is I don't think that's the starting point for anybody who's trying to master public speaking. I think the starting point is mastering the fundamentals first. Get better with silences, get better with ums and ahs, and then you could focus on story brand, then you could focus on the story arc, and then you can build something meaningfully. Because if you start the conversation there, but your public speaking skills are very poor, you're not going to be able to deliver that story in a compelling way that gets people excited to hear you. With us today, Brendan Kumarasamy. I got it right that time. See, practice people, practice, get it right. By the way, that's a, that's a, that's a must. If you are going to make sure you're saying the name of the organization or whomever you're speaking to properly. Cause they're, uh, we were joking before we hit record, uh, cause I, I butchered his name. Uh, and well, and he, he said, look, if I got mad every time someone said my name incorrectly, I'd be mad a lot. Uh, but, th- but these kind of things matter. It's like getting in on a, on a good impression. Now, we end episodes of Startup Hustle with what we call the Founders Freestyle. We're going to pivot that a little bit. We're going to do the Speakers Freestyle instead. Normally with Founders Freestyle, we give a, a little entrepreneurial tip to each other. But I think, and, and by the way, thanks for joining me today. This is something that I could go on and on and on about, but we do have a finite amount of time. And because we like to simplify our presentation and be exact and to the point, we're not going to go over our allotted time, which is a another tip for things you shouldn't do. Um, 
you know, but what would you, well, hang on, let me take care of business again, because today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. I'm just going to keep that short and simple today. But if you had to give one tip, just one, it doesn't, I mean, I'm talking universal to someone about public speaking, what would it be? If there's any tip that I want people to take away is, is understand that the only way to become world-class at public speaking is to have a strong incentive to master it. I tell this to people all the time. You know, some guy comes up, he says, I want, an, I want a promotion at work. And I always respond with, you're going to be a great speaker, but you'll never become exceptional because your public speaking why, the reason why you want to master communication isn't strong enough. But if I compare that to someone who's the CEO of a technology company that's going to change the world based on their product, their public speaking why, in contrast, is through the roof because if they don't master public speaking, their company is not going to impact millions of lives. So if there's one thing I want people to do from the show is to get really clear on what that reason is. And if you're not the founder of a company, that's totally fine. What are the causes? What are the problems that you can solve for other people? And what are the benefits of other people hearing your message? And here's a question I can end off to help you think about this. How would the world change if you were an exceptional communicator? How would the world be different if you were an elite presenter? And if you can answer that question in the most specific way possible, you'll be on your way. I think that's all great advice. You know, I'm going to parlay off that for to close this out. And, you know, for those of you listening, scroll down the show notes, go check out uh, Brennan's YouTube channel. He's got a lot of great videos in there. They're, they're right. They're concise and straight to the point. And with that, I've never heard anybody say, man, I wish I wasn't good at public speaking. It's, it's not, it's, it's something that, that, and no one is truly, okay. So people have said to me this, oh, well, you're a natural talker. That doesn't mean you're a good public speaker. In fact, I could make a really strong case for the fact that I would have as much work to do as you do, not meaning you or meaning the person that isn't a great public speaker, because your strength is often your weakness. So if you think you're a natural talker, you probably talk too much. And that's just as bad as not saying enough or not saying it confidently, but really in the end, practice. And, and I'll tell you something, this is, I, I've mentioned this before. So I do it when I drive. And if you saw a video of me driving around, uh, I, you'd probably think I was nuts, but I have, I will just talk and, and sometimes have conversations on the way to a meeting or a pitch or something like that. And I'm listening to an imaginary voice in my head and handling objections and practicing and dealing with all that different stuff. But really in the end, it's still practice. So you're never going to get, you're never going to become a master of something that you don't do a lot. I mean, the, 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 the word is out and, you know, you're talking five to 10,000 hours of practical application to have mastery of most things. So if you don't do a lot of speaking or presenting, you're not going to be anywhere close to that. So you got to set your expectations around what level of effort you're willing to put into this stuff. Now, look, 
You have a film studio in your pocket. You also have a recording studio. Record yourself. Who cares if it doesn't sound good? Delete it. Practice it. Listen to it. Ask other people for feedback. Don't be afraid. That's part of the fearless nature of mastering public speaking is to not be afraid to ask on some levels. So just get out there and start trying. So all, all of the, you know, now that we've done this, and I mentioned that my wife's not a huge fan of public speaking, I'm going to hurry up and get to producing this episode so I can play it for her and see if we can get her on the public speaking bandwagon. I'll see you next time, bro. Let's do it. Thank you so much. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.